Hi everyone, it's Karen Chong. Welcome to another episode of Mastering Your World Through Frequencies, where we explore how frequencies shape our world and begin to release the unconscious patterns that keep us stuck so we can realize our greatest potential. Did you know that one of the biggest obstacles to the change or transformation we want to experience is the attachment to who we think we are? Or said differently, our identity? Our identity is how we define ourselves and as a result informs our expectations, assumptions, and rules about the way things should be. It very much can limit or expand our experience of life. Today we're discussing the attachment to identity, what that can look like, how it limits us, and how our experience can radically change as we release this unhelpful attachment. And after the discussion, we get to the most important part of this episode. The group frequency calibration associated with this episode is where the frequency work happens and where change actually occurs. So be sure to listen to that. Without releasing distortion patterns targeted by the GFC, the change you want will be more difficult to attain because you haven't addressed the root of the issue. Today, in Mastering Your World Through Frequencies, we're discussing identity, the invisible force that holds you back. So we're going to talk about identity and attachment to it today. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'd really like to define identity mm -hmm. because I was in a situation recently and I thought we were going to have a discussion about identity and attachment to it and how we let it go. And I understood halfway through the conversation that my idea of identity was quite different from this group's idea of what identity was. And the general consensus in the group was it was your culture, where you were born, your name, your family. Mm -hmm. And my understanding of identity is that it's a persona that we project mm -hmm. into the world mm -hmm. and we want people to reinforce and believe that persona. Mm -hmm. I mean, can you explain it? What identity really is yeah. and mm -hmm. how that impacts the resonance, the frequency resonance of us as individuals? Yeah. Okay, so the two big questions, but I'll do my best. So for me, um, from my perspective, uh, identity is the result of a number of things going on at the same time. So it's multi-layered. So one is it is a projection of who you think you are. So meaning what you like, what you expect, what you assume, what you conclude, all that stuff is wrapped up in what you think you are and therefore how others should behave in response to you or how the world's experience should be as a result of who you are, okay? And on top of that, it's also a result of a number of distortion patterns that are coming through from your culture, your religion, your um, lineage that reinforce a certain persona based on those distortions. So for example, mm -hmm. what I mean by that is, let's imagine you have a lineage that has been Catholic in the past, okay? Because you're Irish, let's just imagine, right? And so there's a long lineage, or French, and you have a long lineage that are Catholics. But you today aren't a practicing Catholic. You weren't really brought up within, you know, going to church every Sunday and that type of thing. So you're not really associated with that religion anymore. But there are certain pieces of it that still impact you. Like, for example, you still have, you know, a hypersensitivity to guilt and feeling ashamed. 
that tends to be within that religious context, okay, that, and also non-deserving, okay? So all those things are wrapped up in those distortion patterns that come through from culture and also religion and impact who you think you are even though you no longer practice that religion. You're not like associating only with, for example, Irish people anymore. You associate with all kinds of people. Do you see what I'm saying? I do, kind of. Okay. Because the only question I have then is how is the guilt part of the identity? Right. So the guilt is part of the identity because to me, identity is when a distortion pattern becomes entrenched into who you think you are and how you behave in the world, how you perceive the world, and how you perceive yourself. So it becomes like a fixed entity or identity that you think is solid and therefore through which you view the world and which you believe the world should view you through. So if I t try to take what you've said mm -hmm. and make it in a way that I can kind of understand, maybe you can correct me, right? Yeah. So if I have this distortion pattern in my lineage because of this Catholic identity and guilt is part of that, mm -hmm. so I approach the world with this guilt, of guilt. always as a driving force. Yeah. Either I'm running from guilt or I'm doing things to make folk feel guilty. Correct. Yes. Ah, okay, so okay, someone does something nice, like for example... Someone does something nice for you, okay? And it's out of the blue and you don't expect it. So now you feel a little bit bad because you're like, oh, well, shoot, I don't have anything to give them back, mm -hmm. right? Now I've got to think about like, next time I see them, I have to either give them a compliment or maybe have a nice little gift for them or I need to make them something or I have to be more considerate. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, because you have this running through your identity, this is who you think you are, you are now going to respond to that situation in a very specific way. So let's just imagine someone who doesn't have that pattern running through them. Mm -hmm. They would just receive it. Thank you so much. It's so kind of you. Whatever would ensue because of that. But it's a very different pattern or behavioral response, even emotional response, thought response, because of who you think you are. Right. Yeah, yeah I've got it. So it's like a filter. As yeah, well. it's totally a filter. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, another thing, just to extrapolate on that. So for example, um, for my mom, she always feels like she has to buy gifts for the people she loves oh, yeah. when she goes somewhere. That's part of her identity. So meaning that the way that she shows love is through gift giving. Uh -huh. That's part of her identity. So if she doesn't give a gift, it's like something's wrong. You know what I mean? It's not who she is uh. in the world. Okay. So yeah. how is that different from like you really want to give a gift? Mm -hmm. How is that different? Like, how do I recognize in me, oh, is this just an identity filter that I'm running, that, mm -hmm. you know, that I've always run and I feel like I should always do it to, I really want to buy this gift for this person because I feel good buying this gift for yeah. this person? Well, I think it's in just what you just said. It's like, you have to, you should, because if you don't, then there's something that doesn't, you know what I mean? There's uh -huh. something wrong. Like, you're not meeting a certain internal expectation or what you feel is appropriate. Whereas the second example where you're like, oh, I'm super, like, I see this glass and I'm like, Fiona would love this glass. This is amazing. Yeah. She's, it's exactly the color, the shape, everything that she wants. Mm -hmm. Then you're like, I buy it and I give it to you. But that's in the moment. It's in response to the thing and I'm uh -huh. now thinking of you and I think I'm going to give it to you. But I don't feel like, okay, because I'm in this space, I, you know, I'm visiting Mexico for the first time. I have to see Fiona when I go home. Shoot, if I don't bring her something, then I... Not failed, but you know what I mean? Something feels off. Yeah. Like I haven't fulfilled like some kind of obligation within me to do it. So now I feel bad when I see you and I haven't brought you this thing. 
Okay, so thanks for spelling that. Mm. <laughs> so part of it is kind of habituation, and mm. part of it, I wonder as well, is this um, expectation building. Yes. So you've done it once, twice, and three times, and now you're kind of bound into this expectation now. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, this is how it should, should be, be because yes. that's how it's always been, and yes. this is who I am. Yes. So expectation mm. and what I call rule set are things that are fundamentally part of identity where, like you said, you expect things to be a certain way. You expect people to behave in a certain way. You expect yourself to behave in a certain way. And there are certain rule sets. So if people violate what you expect, then there's a response. So I might have the rule set that if you are late, then that, that is root, okay? Mm -hmm. So I'm never late. It's actually not true, by the way. But I'm never late, okay? Because the rule set is it's root if I'm late. Yeah. So when other people are late, I'm like, oh, violates my rule set because it's disrespectful to me. You know, my time's important. Don't they know that? Why are they not fulfilling their obligation when we agreed on a certain time? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I'm not getting riled up. My rule set's being violated. <laughs> so that is, that's what I mean by, it's part of identity. So expectations, rule sets, also assumptions, right, are part of identity. So I assume, for example, an assumption could be something like, um, I assume that, and it can overlap with expectation, but that people should act with a certain degree of kindness. Not should, but will act mm. with that. And so when they start saying malicious things, for example, it's shocking to me because I don't even, I assume that people will act in a certain way. Yeah. So now I'm like, whoa, whoa, what's happening? And it, we can really get thrown off center because we assume that the world is a certain way. And when it's not, because, because of the filter of identity, we get kind of like off-center and off-put and kind of riled up. It violates who, it violates our sense of like who we are and the way, as a result, the world should be. Wow, this is taking a turn a lot different from where I thought it was gonna go. Okay, so, it's because I'm sitting here now listening to you and I'm thinking, but isn't there, shouldn't there be <laughs> certain situations where we should have respect and behave in a certain way, or is that just my identity? <laughs> yeah, it's part of your filters of the way you think world should be. So here's the thing. It's, it's a funny thing, you know. There is also, so what you're talking about is filters, and then there is what I call, what I would call like a higher degree of resonance of the best case scenario between in an outcome in terms of relationship, circumstance, and what fulfills the higher mm -hmm. good. Yeah. So if you are of a high enough resonance or a high enough vibrational level, you will be aware of what serves the highest good in terms of raising the frequency level of everything or the vibrational level of everything, yeah. which means that people, because when they feel good, tend to vibrate higher. Yeah. It's an outcome which serves everything and everyone. That's a vibrational level thing. That's not a filter. There's, I'm trying to distinguish. Right. So one is, like, if you can sense that, that's not identity. That's just conf not conforming, but feeling what it serves the highest good. Yeah. You may also have an identity which says that people should be good people. Goy. Do, right. do you see what I'm saying? There's yeah. a, to me, there's a difference. So if you're hearing words like should, uh, must, uh, yeah. why didn't they? Yeah. You know, things like that. That's as identity. opposed to when I'm in the higher resonating field of myself, mm -hmm. then... I can simply allow what's happening and just maintain that field. Yeah. I have authority on my field, hold my zero, and 
lo and behold, it tends to come in a balance, the yeah. environment around the Yes. Okay. And what you say and what you do will be in congruence with that higher field. You're feeling that higher resonance of the greater good, of the higher, you know, the higher vibrating field. So because you're feeling that, and because you have a high enough resonance, you're aware of it, you'll want to act and say and do things that help to buoy that up because it feels good, mm-hmm. right? So that would be being kind or being generous or being whatever because now it's like you just it's like plumping up the vibrational level of everything and so it, it amplifies. Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah. I'm just trying to relate it to identity and attachment to yeah. identity. Yes. I think that's what happens to me because I really want to understand how uh, to let go certain aspects of I, I understand that there is an identity required somewhere of you course know, you have yeah. to kind of know who you are in this human body being yeah. human is an identity absolutely right but it's how like you say functioning within an identity that is of a higher resonating frequency yeah and can adapt and yes. pivot to exactly suit, right so what i think you're the key is what you were just saying the attachment to the identity yeah. so when the identity is super rigid And because you're super rigid in an identity, your perspective is fixed, meaning like this is the way the world should be. This is the way I am in the world. It's kind of a funny thing. So because we have, so identity, as you said, in itself is not an issue. Mm. It's our attachment to it and not wanting any kind of malleability and like sticking behind that identity. That's the problem, right? This is like, I'm right, you're wrong. And yeah. even even for self-preservation, like you, I've seen people hang on to a certain identity. I guess we could swap at this level of talking about identity to persona. Yeah. Right? And they hang on to even if it's hurting them physically, oh, emotionally, sure. and mentally because yeah. they need to be seen as this, this type of person. particular identity. Yeah. Right? Okay. So what you're saying is we can have an identity if it nurtures us yeah. and helps us buoy to a higher frequency, yeah. and then that's the best version of identity. Yes. And then you've got the lower version of identity, which is this persona catching, yeah. hanging on to projection yes. kind of a thing. And right. just as an example of that, so just to help people understand what that means. Yeah. So um, we used to have this friend who was very, very smart. Okay, so she's very smart, very pulled together, could make decisions quickly, extraordinarily organized. It's so like like this. Okay, so her life was like very successful. Okay, her identity was on decisiveness, being quick and being that organized. So do you see her success mm-hmm. created her persona, her identity, where it was like so it didn't really. Um, matter what was presented in front of her. She always had to be the same, meaning she had to make her decisions quickly. She had to be very rapid. She had to be very decisive. You know, very, like, she was always the same. And in a way, because the identity became rigid, it started to distort. So it became, like, meaning for her, she would become dismissive, mm-hmm. right? Because here she is being quick and decisive, and blah, 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 blah. And as it fed her identity of, like, this is who I am, mm-hmm. and she was rewarded for this is who I am, it started to distort, so now that decisiveness becomes a little bit like arrogant, dismissive, too fast, not soft in any way, not allowing for collaboration. So it also part of our identity was that no one does it better than me because mm. I do it the best. So what also happens? She's freaking tired. 
I was just going to say the adverse effect of that is what happens when she is tired and yeah. not fast? What yeah. does it do internally really, for her? Exactly. Yeah. So it's like it drives her into a certain speed and a certain level of having to deliver. And she's always on, 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 on. There's no rest because her identity is in achievement, getting things done, getting it done fast and well. Mm-hmm. So there, do you see there's no, in her identity, there's no room for taking a break. Yeah. And even when she's on vacation, she's fast, achieving a lot, doing all the cool things that are Instagram worthy, which is amazing. But do you see, there's yeah. no room for like an other kind of experience, yeah. for any kind of softness, for rest, for introspection, for imagining, for creativity. Do you yeah. see it's locked into a certain type of thing? Yeah. And I'm wondering as you're talking, is that um, linked into having a, a low self-worth? Yeah, for her think? it is. I yeah, mean, for her it is. That's why she was overachieving. But my, I think what you were saying is, what happens when you're attached to identity? Yeah. How does it limit? Well, in that example, it means that her experience is very limited to the perspective of that persona that she's created, that has given her success, that has fed her achievement, and given her a lot of like financial um, remuneration as well. Mm. So, but what that means though is that it also has harm because it doesn't allow her to be in the fullness of who she could be. You know, in this particular case, this particular woman, I'm not saying everybody, but she's very in her masculine. So there's no room for softness. There's less room for collaboration, for just taking time to be with somebody. There is none of that in her world. There's not time, like there's no value in being still. So there's less time for inspired creativity because that's not allowed in her world because of her identity. You know, that's not good. It's not valuable. It's it's weak. It's like a waste of time. Whatever it is, her attachment to the way she is and her identity makes it hard for her to experience that. And also, for this particular person, it also isolates her because not everybody wants to be with that. Mm. Some people do because it's kind of fun, mm-hmm. you know, like... She's always going to have something planned. It's always going to be like a fun thing. She's always going to have it sorted. It's also hard to be with. For all, you know what I mean? It's just like, whoa, it's kind of exhausting, you know? Yeah, I feel exhausted listening to <laughs> I'm also hearing at the same time, I think what I'm hearing you say is, if you're so focused on this only, then you're missing out on all of this. Yeah. All the other stuff. Yeah. The, how many other aspects of you have you not tapped into? Yeah. Right? And how many other um, parts of your human identity that's available to you have you not played with yeah. yet? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. And you also lose out on other people's perspectives because you think that you're right. So when you have a really strong attachment to identity, the I'm right it, uh, distortion, which is really strong in many of us, gets really amped up because I'm right is associated with identity. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like this is how the world should be. This is how I am. So therefore, as soon as you put an I am statement, I am fill in the blank, then it's like really locked in. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, anyone else's perspective is not, you know, is often not right, which means that you lose out on the richness of different perspectives. And people. And people. Right? Because you block them off. Yeah. They don't fit into my idea of how the world should be. So I'm never, ever going to meet that person. Yeah. When actual fact, something amazing could come from meeting that person. It's like, oh, they're too messy. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Well, they may be. Mm -hmm, But they could be really fun. They could be super fun (laughs) and spontaneous and inflow. Magic happens around them. Yeah, yeah. So. And I'm also here... I'm wondering now in the background, when you say anytime you put I am in front of something, I can hear some books that are out there. The power of positive thinking. Yeah. I am. Yeah, powerful <laughs> or 
beautiful or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. What do you think about that it's, as part of the identity? Is that a useful tool or is that something we should be mindful of? I think, yeah, I think and you need to be really mindful because this is like kind of where affirmations come from, right? Yeah. Like I am and then you say a statement that you wish you were. Mm -hmm. The problem with affirmations is that if you are not internally congruent with them because you have a bunch of distortion patterns, mm. what happens is it amplifies the distortion because it creates polarity in your system. You're saying I am this. There's everything in your being is like, mm -mm, no, yeah, not I know yet, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I know you want to be, but that's not happening, right? Or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So what happens is it creates, like I said, this polarity in your system where you have this strong desire to be other than what you are. It creates more resistance. And now at the same time, so you have this yearning, yearning, yearning. And then at the same time, you have this knowing this is not true. You just It amplifies the distortion of like, that's not true. And why is it not true? Because you suck, because you don't have enough self-worth, because of what are all the list of all the crap that you are, mm -hmm. right? It just amplifies that. So now you have this tremendous polarity in the field. So the thing is, it's like part of the affirmations can be powerful if you have a high enough resonance and you understand where your distortions are and what you need to release. Okay, It's sort of like, they can be like an anchor of like, you know, I am... I don't know, wise. There's like, oh, I don't feel wise. Do you know what I mean? It's like a good reflector. Yes. You know, it's like a reflection. Like, so like a tool almost. Yeah, exactly. It's like, mm. do I feel wise? No, actually, I don't feel that wise. Mm -hmm. Huh, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, why don't I feel wise? You know, it's, to me, those statements are helpful to show you where you're not congruent. Yeah, where you need to maybe do a little bit more work. Yeah, where you yeah. need to release distortion, yeah. I want to come back to what you were saying mm. because I, I always kind of want to understand why am I doing this, right? Mm, that's, mm. My, that's my kind of driving force. So if I'm trying to build an identity and project this persona, this identity, and mm -hmm. be this person and constantly driving to fulfill that you know, projection, is that a distortion in itself? Because underneath it all, why can't I just be who I am? Exactly. Right? And yes. be at peace with that. Exactly. It is a distortion. And there's something that I call fundamental authenticity, uh -huh. which has to do with knowing who you are from a higher perspective, not from you, from your brain. Like, mm. I am Karen. I like chocolate. I also like to uh, dance. Uh, you know what I mean? Or whatever. I have this like persona, right? That I think I am. So whatever it is, it's sort of like when you have that um, projection and you hold on to it, the attachment to it, that in itself is a distortion because we are not allowing ourselves to be aware of the messy sort of around us. Yeah. And we're not connected to that higher version of self. Okay, which is like, well, actually, I am infinite indestructible consciousness. I can express in any number of ways. Yeah. I know who I am from that level. How I express is a human perspective, right? So it's like you don't allow yourself to be in that expansiveness of that possibility of what that expression could be. Yeah. You know, so I do think that often for people, especially who are very strong in their identity and almost forceful about it, yeah. to me, that is a very strong distortion. I'm like, well, why can't you be just who you are without having to defend or prove or anything? Yeah. So fundamental authenticity is when um, you are aware of yourself from a higher order and you're okay with it. And it doesn't matter who you're with. So meaning, you know, a lot of us will be different with our friends or certain of our friends, and then different with others' friends, mm -hmm. and then different with your mom and dad, yeah. and then different at work, and then different, right? So people that will say- That sounds exhausting. No, no, <laughs> and people are like, well, don't you have to be in order to adapt? No, you can be you. Yeah. <laughs> and But the thing is, you need to have internal strength and clarity, enough clarity from your distortion to be like, I am okay being me, and this is the expression of who I am.
Yeah, yeah. I think there's a fine line between when you're in these different groups, you can be authentic with who you are. Maybe how you pitch your conversation has to be different. Yes. You know, because they don't understand the words you use or your words are different from the words they would use, whatever, yes. cultural, lineage, or just the amount of experience you've had yeah. in doing inner work. You kind of have to gauge it, but you're still being authentically you. You're not exactly. going to deny who you are yes. just to suit who they, they are. are. Exactly, yeah. and that's a really key distinction. Thank you for making that. So it's not, like you said, fundamentally you don't shift, but you're being respectful of the perspective that they hold. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's another thing that happens when you're not attached to your own identity is you can honor the perspective of someone else because you're not so attached to yours. Like, oh my God, it's being threatened. Mm-hmm. Now I have to like be in argument with you or conflict. It's actually, oh, that's your perspective. That's that's fascinating. So what do you think about this? How do you see this? What does this mean to you? Yeah. Right? Because now you can ask different questions and it comes from a place of curiosity because the sense of who you are is not threatened. Yeah. It comes from a higher place. It's not staked in, this is me, this is me, this is me, this is me, you know? It, so there's no threat in the same way. I can I can relate to that in that if I'm feeling strong inside and it's authentic, it doesn't matter what anybody says. Exactly. That's how it's going to be for me. me you know? <laughs> yep. It's like when my husband says, what do you think of these? And when he's buying something, I'm like, I don't know what to think of them. You're going to wear these. You have to know what you think of them. You know. And even if I put something on, he says, what is that? I'm like, I don't care. I like it. I know. <laughs> it's funny. Um, I'm the same way with my husband because it's funny. Because sometimes when I wear things that, and I'm trying things on, I'm, I'm playing. Yeah. Often when I try things on. Yeah. And I'm not going to particularly like it necessarily, right? So sometimes I'm like, what do you think of this? She's like, whoa. <laughs> He's like, well, if you like it, then that's great, <laughs> which is really awesome. But it's kind of funny, you know. But it's 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 fun to like play also with who you what you think even looks good on you. For oh example. yeah, like how you dress, how you do your hair, how you do your makeup, how you do your whatever. Yeah, you know, because it's not going to change internally who I am. No. But I might as well figure out, oh, I've never tried this before. Does that feel good? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. (laughs) It's totally fun. It's like a big costume box. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that was an interesting delve into identity and areas that I never even saw it coming. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you. For those of you who are new, we're about to start the Group Frequency Calibration, or GFC. This is the most important part of this episode because it's where we actually do the frequency work and where change is catalyzed. So I invite you to settle in and get comfortable. You can sit, stand, or lie down, or if you prefer to walk around slowly, you could even do that too. If during the GFC you find that you start falling asleep, even if you didn't feel tired when you started, just let yourself drift off. That just means that the frequencies are really high and it's more efficient for you to be asleep to integrate them. If this happens, it's good to listen to the GFC portion again a few times until you can stay awake for the whole thing. That's how you'll know you've integrated those higher resonating frequencies. Because I'm working on the frequency level, these GFCs are not like regular meditations, and many people find that they go into varying degrees of altered state. Please definitely do not drive while listening to this. Okay, here we go. Welcome everyone to the group frequency calibration for identity, the invisible force that holds you back.
So this GFC will start to help clarify where you hold identity, meaning how you see yourself and how you project yourself into the world and your attachment to how the world perceives you. So this is an introductory GFC, so it will start to do that. And it also will start to um, address your attachment to having that particular identity. If you'd like to go deeper with releasing identity so that you can become something different or someone different who has a different experience, then I'd suggest the deep dive on expectations that would likely be helpful. All right, settling in. Becoming aware of your body. And as you become aware of your body, becoming aware of your belly. So just noticing if your belly is at ease and relaxed or if you're holding it in. Noticing if it's full or if you're hungry or if you're just fine. Noticing what your belly is touching in terms of the skin of the belly. And noticing whether or not your belly rises and falls with your breath. Or if you're breathing only in your chest. So there's nothing wrong with breathing only in your chest. It's just noticing. Where does your breath go to in your body? Does it enter the belly? And now please become aware of your breath, just as it is right now, without changing it. Notice if you have a need to change it, or a compulsion to change it, or if you can simply notice it. And after a couple of seconds of noticing your breath, deepening the breath, allowing it to become much more long. Allowing it to feel more of the body. And then please imagine the breath expanding and contracting around you like a balloon, in all directions. (sighs) 
good. And then please become aware of your surroundings. And as you become aware of your surroundings, noticing the texture of the air against your skin, noticing its temperature, its relative movement, whether it is heavy and damp or lighter and drier. Noticing the texture of the air against your skin. Good. And then becoming aware of the light. So blinking your eyes open, noticing the quality of the light. not focusing on anything specific, just noticing the quality of the light, which changes all the time. And after a few seconds of noticing the quality of light, please triangulate. So for those of you who are new, triangulation is when you become aware of three inanimate objects in the space around you. and noticing the distance between each object in you and then feeling that distance. So what these objects are is not important, okay? There's no significance to them, it's simply an object. And you're noticing, for example, that if object A is the desk, you would notice the desk is about mm, four and a half feet to you. And then you would feel the distance between the desk and you. And you would do the same thing for objects B and C, and what will happen is that your sense of where you are in space will become more focused, more clear, more present for you. And this is important for you to come into the zero point, which if you don't know what that is, you can watch episode 151 of the podcast at some later time. This will help you start to feel centered, stable within self and more able to influence your reality. So once you have triangulated, blinking your eyes closed, and bringing your attention to your heart space in the center of your chest in your nipple line, So let's take a deep breath together. Inhale. Holding your breath in for a count of four. And then releasing your breath whenever you finish that four count at whatever speed and intensity you prefer. 
and then holding your breath out for a count of six. And whenever you've finished that one single long breath, continuing to breathe normally. Whilst we wait for the mastermind to coalesce and become coherent. When that happens, we all can move at a higher degree of efficiency together, which gives us all more momentum to release these distortion patterns. So that is why we wait. If we do it too soon, the mastermind is scattered, and what we can do together is much more limited. So whilst we wait for that to happen, for those of you who are new, please know that I'm working on you at the group and the subgroup level. That I sometimes work in silence, and this really depends on whether the frequencies we're working with are extremely high, and how fast and how high the mastermind can go in terms of accessing those frequencies. So in those moments, it doesn't help for me to make physical sound because it only drops the resonance of those frequencies, which doesn't benefit you. You will also hear me make sound. And you may hear me hum, yawn, or exhale sharply. That's just how I release sticky, heavy distortion patterns. Not always, but often. And if I say something that really resonates with you, it's likely a distortion pattern that you're running. And if there's something that you really resist, then it's likely a distortion pattern that you're running. So I invite you to remain curious, open, and be willing to examine further. And keeping your attention in that heart space. And right in the center of your brain, in the pineal gland. So if you can imagine a sphere about the size of your eyeball, right in the center of your brain. In addition to right in the center of that heart space, which is in the center of your chest and your nipple line. And you can even put a hand in each of these spots. It's helpful for you. Let's go ahead and ask ourselves the following question. How can I become even more aware of my connection only to pure source? And that question again for those of you who are new is how can I become even more aware of my connection only to pure source? So as you ask yourself that question, please imagine, sense, feel, or become aware of the very center of your body. And as you imagine this surprisingly vast space, imagining, sensing, feeling, or being aware of a brilliance from deep within, that starts to grow because you have your attention on it. 
and as it expands from deep within in all directions, it expands through all of yourself, out through your organs, through your bone structure. out through your muscles, your flesh, and through the pores of your skin. Mm. All the way out into the space between your physical body and the outer perimeter of your spirit body, which is a sphere at arm's length all around you. Noticing the brilliance within the sphere. Uh-huh. And now... Please notice the space all around the sphere. And as you become aware of this infinite space, I'm pulling your frequency resonance higher. Irrespective of where it began. And as some of you know already, the higher your vibration, the higher your frequency resonance. The more change you experience, the better you feel. How you perceive life and what it looks like changes. Positively. It determines everything. So this is one of the most important things we do together. There we go. Excellent. Bringing your attention, or keeping it rather, in the heart space. And becoming aware of the space between your heart space, all the way up the front of the body, to underneath the chin. Mm Alright. 
So first, giving you some distance from your own thoughts, your own attachment to identity, who you think you are, how the world should be, how others should be, how others should perceive you. It's all identity. And the more distance we have from it, the more we're able to understand or feel or know or perceive that we get to create it. And how much it is influenced by our distortions. And imagining, sensing, feeling, or becoming aware of a brilliant blue that starts to expand out through the very center of you in all directions around you. Really nice. Okay, keeping your attention in that heart space, all the way up this time to the midpoint in the front of your throat, on the front side of the body, in addition to the spine, from the top of the spine, okay, so meaning right where it's the top of your back before it becomes your neck, okay, so C7, the vertebrae number C7 all the way down to behind the heart. Okay. Helping you to release attachment to identity, to it being fixed, known. And then right behind it, we're releasing comfort. So the attachment to comfort, whether it's your own comfort or others' comfort with who they think you are. So this would be for people closest to you or people who think they know you best. Not everyone likes it when people around them start to change. So even if it's positive for the person, releasing attachment and right behind it, the distortion of comfort and certainty.
there's a little subgroup here where you're afraid to or you resist okay so maybe it's not fear but it's resistance or discomfort with noticing the identity that you've created Good. Yep. Becoming aware now, please, of your xiphoid process, which is right at the base of your sternum, which is your breastbone, right in the center of your chest, in your nipple line. So if you trace the base of your breastbone, just beneath it when you go from bone to flesh, that little point, which is tender when you press on it, that is your xiphoid process. From there and down by about three inches towards the belly button, Clearing out the pain body. We're clearing out the pain body because the pain body has a memory of you before you did the frequency work, which means that as you try to integrate, you bump up against that memory. So if we just reset this, clear it out, it's easier for you to integrate change in that new, higher resonating version of self. There we go. Just takes a couple of seconds. Good. This brings us to the end of this group frequency calibration. I look forward to working with you on the next GFC. If the topic of this GFC resonates with you, it's very likely that more work than can be provided in this one GFC is needed to clear or loosen deeply held distortion patterns in areas that are sticky. Because these patterns are like layers of an onion, usually there are multiple layers to individual topics. Depending on how much of a challenge this topic is for you, it may make sense for you to go deeper than what this one session allows. If you feel this is the case for you, please visit sphericalluminosity.com for more targeted support. If you'd like an opportunity to ask me questions in real time, then subscribe to the Spherical Luminosity YouTube channel and click the reminder bell to be notified when I'm about to go on live. For the latest news about upcoming events and to be notified when sessions with me are released, subscribe to our newsletter. Join us and let's rise together.